This morning's reading is from Philippians 3, verses 7 to 14. The words will appear on the screen, but if you'd like a Bible to follow them, just put your hand up and we'll bring one to you. Philippians 3, verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray for Steve now before he preaches. Father God, thank you for Steve. Thank you for his preparation. I pray you would anoint his words and open our hearts so that we can hear through you, through his sermon. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Vanessa. Well, as Gerald has said, this uh, brings us to the end of a series on spirituality. Uh, we began by looking at the creation narrative, that we are people of dust, but also people infused with the breath of God. We cannot understand what it is to be human without recognizing that we have a God-breathed nature which longs for connection with him. And then we continued by looking back again at Genesis 3, and we saw how when that longing that can only be satisfied in God is misdirected, we're left disorientated and overwhelmed by diffuse longings that threaten to overwhelm us. And then last week, Gareth led us into thinking about the new creation, God again breathing into us the life of the Spirit through Jesus, giving us absolution, adoption, and authority. And today we conclude by thinking about hope, the fact that in Christ, we're not people who are defined by our past, but by the future that God has prepared for us. Now then, I'd like to begin by telling you I love you. Thank you, Martin. I love you. And I like you. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I'm going to challenge you today. And over the years, Sometimes when I've challenged this congregation, uh, you've thought, I don't like you and I don't love you. It is not true. I do. And because I love you, I'm going to challenge you. Uh, but this challenge is not just for the 9 o'clock congregation. It's for, for me. And it's for those of you who are not normally in 9 o'clock as well. There is a challenge. See, these verses are about finishing the race well. And I'm very conscious of speaking in the context of Peter Wright's 
wonderful Thanksgiving service last week. Uh, when we thought about that, that image, didn't we, of finishing the race well, uh, from 2 Timothy, I have fought the fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We're going to be thinking about that longing, that, that hope. So, I've got to ask three questions. The first is, what do we think is of real value? The second is, how should we be living? And the third question is, is it all down to us? So what is of real value? This passage tells us that the thing that is of real value is a person. Paul writes in verses 8 to 9, I consider everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. He's saying that I found something which is of surpassing worth. It's like that, uh, that pearl of great price for which is worth losing everything else. You remember a few years ago when Jane and I were on holiday in Italy, we had all our belongings stolen. Uh, I was just left with a wallet, uh, which fortunately had a credit card and uh, my phone. That, that was it, and the clothes we were standing up in. And what we discovered through that experience is that the thing that really counts is relationships. It was the fact that I could be on the phone to various people here at St. Nick's that actually helped us through that really awful situation. We could lose everything, but if we had the relationships, that was the thing that mattered. And Paul is saying, there's one thing that really matters, the thing of surpassing worth, and that is of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, every year, people make commitments to each other at the front of church here as they get married. And they say that they are forsaking all others. And it's a, a, a vow that they seem willing to wake, make year after year because you could say that as they make that vow that they are forsaking potential intimacy with every other woman and man on the planet. But the decision is worth it because there's no way to tap into the riches of a marriage relationship without forsaking all others. There may be times of temptation, there may be times when it doesn't feel particularly rewarding, but the con constant investment of oneself in that one relationship is the only way to enjoy the relationship to its full potential. And so it is with Christ. It is a thing of surpassing worth. So my question is to us today, and I'm asking this myself, what do we really value? Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So actually, I mean, it's quite easy to answer that question. We just need to look at our diaries and our bank statements, and it will tell us what we really value. The question arises, is it really appropriate to set such a high value on a relationship with Jesus Christ? When we weigh it against a successful career, a lovely family, a comfortable life. Is it really that valuable? 
And Paul says, well, it is. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. Knowing Jesus, he says, is to know the power of his resurrection, is to participate in his new life. Last summer when I was uh, in uh, California, a group of us who were um, meeting together went out every evening uh, for a meal. And one night, um, a young uh, Chinese woman in the group said, um, leave this one to me. Now, she worked for a, a company globally which basically specialized in looking after the most wealthy people on the planet, organizing private jets, doing a sweep to check there were no bugs on the... Uh, bugging devices on the, on the plane and so on, just laying on for them everything that they need. She said, leave this one to me. So we came out of the hotel, and there was this stretched limo with a driver who was our driver for the night, and she'd made a few requests about drinks and bowls of fruit and all that stuff that was in, in the limo, and drove us to the restaurant by the beach, and uh, he just waited outside the limo all evening until we were ready for... To, to, and I, we had a taste of her world. It's not a world I would like to belong in for very long, but it was a, it was a, it was a taste. And, and the point is that in relationship with Christ, we share the world in which he is now, which is the resurrection life. It's worth it. But Paul also says to know Christ is also to know his sufferings. And actually entering into the sufferings of Christ takes us closer to his love for us. It makes us realize how much he loves us. Someone has said, you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And it's actually when we go through the hardships of life that we actually experience the, the sufferings of Christ and the consolation of Christ and his deep love for us. He's, Paul says, it's worth it because I, you, I want to become like Christ. He says, we know Christ, that we can become like him. And who else would you want to become like? Isn't he the most amazing, wonderful person? You want to become like him. And as we share life with him, he does work on us and help us to become more like him. And he says, I want to become like him even in his death. Because that death leads to resurrection. When Paul says, I want to somehow become like sharing his death, he's not saying, I may or may not. He's actually countering people who say the resurrection life had already happened. He's saying, yes, we share in his life now, but there's more to come, and I want that. So the question today is, what do we really value? What do we really value? Second question is this, how should we be living? Well, Paul uses this metaphor of the race. And the message to us today is this, the race is not over. Just watch this video. This season has got the speed. He had a dreadful run last week. He said he just couldn't breathe properly when he ran so badly in the, the Prefontaine meeting. But Gabriel went now coming to the bell. He's got 20 meters. Oh no. Oh, no. oh, he thought he'd reached the bell. He thought he'd reached the finish line. He's got a lap to go. I don't believe it. A man of his experience. This race, all of the highlights will be about this. Gebrewet, with a lap to go, thinks he's won the race. The arms go up, he's miscounted, he's miscalculated. And for somebody of his experience, well, that's inexcusable. Very, very surprising. He glanced around, he must have thought, 
goodness me. Oh, oh. the race is not over, friends. Paul says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I've not finished. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. So, I told you I'm going to challenge you. And I'm going to speak to those of you who, are like me, are 60 and over. Like me. I know how everything slows down. I know how life, the life you think is going to get more simple becomes more complicated. As your family, if you have a family, multiplies, and everyone needs a piece of you. I know that. I know how when the diocese talks about growing younger, you can feel, well, this isn't for me. You spot in the news this week, the, the Grove United Methodist Church in Minnesota has asked all its over 60s to leave so it can focus its mission on younger people. Well, if we did that here, I'd be out of a job. So it's okay. It's not, it's not going to happen. I know how the past can be put, become more attractive than the future. I know how we get set as we get older. And it's so hard to keep malleable. I know all that. It's where I am. But the race is not over. Forgetting what lies behind, says Paul, and straining towards what lies ahead. You know, what lies behind for some of us is failure. And some of us think, you know, I've, I've, I've messed up. So what's the point in running the rest of the race? I think it's a bit like people giving up smoking, you know. They say, oh, I smoke for 50 years, what's the point? But I, I can check this out with John later, but the benefits of stopping smoking uh, occur no matter how long you've smoked, smoked for in the past. So forgetting what lies behind, I press on. For some of us, what lies behind is our glory days. But forgetting what lies behind, I press on. So, third question. Is it all down to us? I realize that all this may sound like muscular Christianity, grin and bear it activism. But if we read through Philippians more carefully, we notice something very interesting. In this race, it isn't all down to us. In chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's God's work in us which is going to be completed. 
And then he says in this passage in verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. We run the race, but it's in response to the totally unparalleled race that Jesus ran, through which he achieved our salvation and brought us into a relationship with the Father through him. Now, Paul may realize that he's being a bit zealous and he needs to rein it in a bit. Maybe you're thinking I do as well. So he says, verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Okay, so forget about you know, straining ahead. What about just living up to what we've already attained? Or is our peak sometime, some way behind us? Our love for Jesus, our openness to his work in, his, in our lives, our availability to him and through him to others, just a little bit behind us now. You know, the older you get, the more you have to offer. If wisdom, you've got experience. And frankly, the fact that Robin, Tammy, and Nick and Connor are here today, which I wasn't aware was going to happen, is the biggest sign you can have if you need it, that that is wanted. It's wanted in that new Oikos community. It's wanted at that uh, evening. You see, Christian spirituality is not a philosophical framework. It's not a set of religious practices. At the end of the day, it is a relationship with Jesus Christ and the life that flows from that relationship. And one of the things that helps me most in my life is actually being connected to your people who are younger than me. So let's run towards it. Let's make our remaining years our best years. Let me say that again. Let's make our remaining years our best years. There's no reason why they shouldn't be. They can be our best years. 41 years ago at university, I made a friend. He's still my friend today, Martin. And this year, we both passed 60. And he said to me, with genuine, genuine delight and expectation, he said, Steve, do you realize, within 10 years, we could be in heaven. What a way to think. Because he's got his eyes on the prize. He's running the race. He knows what's of real value. So look, should we encourage one another? Should we encourage one another to run the race? Not to bow out when there's still a lap to go? Let's not collude with each other into frittering away our lives. Let's encourage one another to keep running. Let's remind each other that it's not about us, but about the resurrection power of Jesus. And let's remember that these remaining years, however long they may be, 
could be the most fruitful of our lives. I love you. I love you. And I need you to encourage me to keep running. And I'm going to encourage you to do the same. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, to know you is a thing of unsurpassed worth, surpassing worth, surpasses everything else. To know you is a thing which we look forward to completion when we cross the finishing line. So, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, stir up again in us that fire and make whatever time we have left on earth our most fruitful in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.